Greetings, friends, and a very warm welcome to you for this full moon meditation in Virgo from the Lucis Trust office in New York. As you probably know, the full moon meetings in the Lucis Trust have uh, no longer been held in the office due to coronavirus, so we're happy to welcome you to this Zoom broadcast. Our work together with these monthly meditations is preparing for what prophecy suggests will become a new world religion. Changes in the Earth's cyclic relationship with the Sun are reflected in the lunar rhythm of full and new moon. There are occasional eclipses, as well as the solstices and the equinoxes. And these rhythms, it's predicted, will emerge as a unifying force in the religious life of humanity. It's really something to think about a future time when worshippers from different traditions and communities will gather for ritual, meditation, prayer and worship during these periods in the solar and lunar calendar. This is what we're led to expect to be, happy, to be going to happen. There are already some signs of this and the most sort of clearest example probably is the work being done by the Global Silent Minute Movement. The movement was launched, if you remember, on December 21st at the solstice last year during the Lucis Trust gathering for the festival week of the new group of world servers for a global minute of silence on December 21st. And then it was again widely observed throughout humanity on June 21st with five minutes of silence. And something similar is going to happen this month on September 21st when a special focus will be placed on the UN's 75th anniversary, the Sustainable Development Goals, and of course the important International Day of Peace that's celebrated by the UN and is widely observed by so many different religious and spiritual groups. We can see this work of the Global Silent Minute as evidence that the cyclic relationship between Sun, Earth and Moon is influencing the rhythm of the spiritual life and the time and space of our world. And we can simply expect that this will become more prevalent as the years go by. Of course, it's important to point out that from the scientific or cosmological perspective of esotericism, the lunar rhythm is only significant because it offers a visible sign of the Earth's relationship with the Sun and the interacting network of planetary lives constituting the solar system and the starry constellations of the heavens. The moon, after all, is full and it's such a dominant light in the night sky because it is illuminated by the light of the sun. It's not from any light emanating from the moon itself. For those of us who participate in the full moon meditations regularly, it can be easy to forget the seed for the future that's being sown and nurtured through the very regularity and rhythm of this work. So it's helpful to try to imagine what it would be like to live in a world where large numbers of people, wherever we live, come together through a diversity of religious practices during the full moon period. Clearly in such a future, religion will have a strong presence in the social and spiritual life a presence that it doesn't have now. This energetic rhythm doesn't require that everyone shares the same practices. 
I like to imagine local churches, temples, mosques, and places of worship filling up in every community on the planet. As millions gather during the five days of the full moon cycle to take part in a multitude of practices in a shared aspiration and approach to the divine. At one level, it's not difficult to imagine that activities during the full and new moons and the solstice and, and equinoxes will help to energetically focus, unify and coordinate humanity's aspiration. That all makes sense, but at another level, we can also expect that the awakening of a global religious spirit will produce a heightened spiritual tension in the mind of the intelligentsia during the full moon period. We can imagine the intelligent thinkers and the esoteric workers from all traditions sharing much more consciously in a concentrated, widespread global invocation to the hierarchy of beings of light and love during this period of the full moon. Imagine, for example, the gatherings that might be expected to take place in all the theological colleges around the world. Even conferences, we can surely expect that as the passage into Aquarius continues, there will be many such places of learning and study, just as there will be probationary and advanced mystery schools, new monastic houses, communities and centers of spiritual life. Imagination is one of the most powerful tools we have to nourish the seeds of future possibilities. So this envisioning exercise can be undertaken with purpose and dedication. And it can be undertaken as a service to the future, to the children to come. Month after month, year after year, decade after decade, Aegis Wisdom students have been gathering for this rhythm of group meditation for world service during the period of the full moon. It can be likened to the rhythm of the group breath, aligning with the rhythm of the breath of the greater ashram and of the breath of the planetary logos. So this evening we're stepping into a field of focused, heart-filled group mind that is substantial and well-established. Can we imagine for a moment the livingness and the presence of this body of purposeful human activity that's carried on through time and in the spatial world of the physical lives of individuals and groups. Think about the small groups that are gathering together today and over the next few days working with this rhythm. In coronavirus times, imagine all the Zoom groups assembled for this work, all different groups, all sorts of groups. And think of the dedicated individuals sitting in the privacy of their own homes, all together contributing to the pulsating field of a group life on the mental plane, working with laws of invocation and evocation in service to the greater plans of God. Aligned with all true esoteric thinkers from all traditions, we can imagine that in working with this full moon meditation, 
we're part of a shared human approach to the higher worlds and to the great heart of the planetary life. This is an approach to the very core of being, to the abode of the Christ and the masters of wisdom and compassion of all traditions. We might be led to think that such an interior approach is somehow separate from all of the issues that are churning through the human community at this time. Coronavirus, economic crisis, crises in every area of life, from education to race relations to health to disturbances in the psyche. But to the extent that the meditation group is sensitive to and cares about the troubled heart of humanity, it is this troubled heart that the group lifts up to the healing energies of the higher world. It is this troubled heart of humanity that is brought into alignment with hierarchy. The radiation of love flowing from the Christ and the masters of the wisdom and compassion during the sacred time of the full moon has the power to heal and transform. And as this radiation reaches into the mind and subtle energetic realms of time and space, it inspires, it motivates, energizes and sustains every single creative initiative through which the plan of love and light is working out. Can we pause with this thought for a moment before using together the affirmation of a disciple. And can we make the special effort to use this affirmation together as a group? The affirmation asserts, as you can see on the screen, that I am a point of light, and so on. And because of this, there can be a tendency to focus the attention on the I of the self and one's own spirit, private spiritual journey, of course. But to use this affirmation as a group means to identify as a group I, as one singular group identity, as a discipleship group that is greater than the separated individuals that will be implied by the use of the word we, suggesting a group of disciples. And so it is that in imagination and in symbol, we can imagine ourselves now as one group rising to stand as if it were one fused being. I am a point of light within a greater light. I am a strand of loving energy within the stream of love divine. I am a point of sacrificial fire focused within the fiery will of God. And thus I stand. I am a way by which men may achieve.
I am a source of strength, enabling them to stand. I am a beam of light, shining upon their way. And thus, I stand. And standing thus revolve, and tread this way the ways of men, and know the ways of God. And thus I stand. great feminine principle of time, space, the three worlds of the personality, and the manifest world that we see all around, occupies a central part of the group's focus in Virgo. So often the materiality of the world and the materiality of the incarnated human is seen as being separate from and sometimes even in opposition to the lighted abundance to be found within. This experience of soul and personality as a duality dominates much of the spiritual journey. And this is necessary. It's a necessary part of the path for the two need to be separate. If the mission of individualization is to be achieved, and the way towards integration and ultimate fusion between soul and personality is to be well prepared. This is an inherent part of a fourth ray system where the pairs of opposites are in a dynamic relationship, at times duking it out, pushing against each other before the right balance can be attained and spirit can ultimately radiate through matter. Virgo gives us another perspective on the soul personality dynamic with its message, Christ in you, the hope of glory. In this classic phrase from the Bible, Christ is likened to the fetus, particularly at the time of quickening, the hope of glory, while a personality is, lined to, is likened to the pregnant mother responding to the increasingly insistent muscular movements of the new life within. Without being nurtured and nourished for the required time within the dark warm embrace of the mother's womb, there would be no birth. None of us would be here in time and space, and there would be no hope of glory. The energies of Virgo encourage us to ponder this interdependence in the relationship between soul and personality, that both need each other. Evolution and all the plans of God for the earth to become a sacred planet depend upon the relationship between soul and personality. The hope of glory or the future possibilities predicted by spiritual teachings requires that soul consciousness 
be embedded within the personality for as much time as is needed. Rather than the three bodies of the persona being the enemy of soul, the reality is that they provide the environment needed by the soul as it prepares to fulfill its purpose of becoming a shaper and definer of the world. Personality provides the enclosed boundaries of human experience in time and space, within which the world of spiritual reality takes root and incarnates. And without the pushback from the personality, the forces of light would be relatively powerless in the world, lost, not knowing the language or the culture or any of the norms of the world of time, space, desire and materiality. The human mind is destined to reveal and create the new bottles needed to hold the wine of spirit. Virgo reminds us of this greater process that in our lives we are a part of. In fact, that our lives are this process. The universal symbol of the sign points to the virgin birth, emphasizing the meaning to be found in what mythologist Joseph Campbell refers to as the birth of the spiritual life in the human animal. Yet there is, as we know, more to this than the story of the individual spiritual path. For Virgo represents the nurturing qualities of the feminine and the goddess and its role in the evolution of consciousness. Time and space, earth and materiality, act as a womb, an enclosure, within which consciousness develops and matures in preparation for the painful hours of pulsing crises, leading to birth and the emergence of the new life. Beyond the individual, this image of the Christ in you offers a powerful way of understanding the love that underlies the happenings of the time, particularly times like these. Interesting, chaotic, crisis-filled times when everything seems to be shaken up, shaken up, overstimulated, and meaning can be hard to discern. Some of the earliest spiritual teachings echo the thought that it is in such times that a virgin birth occurs. As the Gita famously notes, whenever there is a withering of the law and an uprising of lawlessness on all sides, then I manifest myself. I come to birth age after age. Such times as these are times of hope, both because they direct our attention to what is to come but perhaps even more importantly, because they evoke within us the will to step into our full creative potential, to use our time wisely in building solid foundations for the new. It's a bit like the parents getting the room ready for the new baby and reimagining their lives. No longer two individuals getting to know each other and establishing their relationship now facing the full responsibility of caring for a child, for another life, a new life, that which is to come after the crisis, which will mark the transition of labor and birth. In the womb of time and space, 
the Christ who is about to emerge has grown and quickened in the hidden darkness of a world caught between separation and wholeness. The Christ spirit in the human heart has been stimulated. Enlightened servers within the group of world servers are being collectively overshadowed by the Christ life and the Christ spirit. And now it is as if the labor has begun in earnest. Perhaps even what midwives refer to as active labor, which will culminate in a transition phase preceding birth. Working in symbols like this does not relate well to a linear view of time. The actual moment of birth, of course, of the reappearance is not for us to know or speculate about. It's more than we can possibly hope to know. But we can know that the process of birthing is underway. And it is that which can give us hope. The withering of the law and the uprising of lawlessness in our time can be understood as the passing away of norms governing relationships. Established norms of diplomacy, for example, have been shaken up in recent years. Norms and standards of race relations are being revealed to be unacceptable in the light of the increasing respect for all lives regardless of color, faith, cultural language. The recognition that some lives matter and some communities matter more than others is shattering existing norms, leaving many in confusion, despair and depression, and many with a strong sense of mission to be part of the shaping of new norms. In a similar way, the recognition that animals, plants, and even minerals have an intrinsic value and worth beyond their superficial usefulness to humanity. This recognition is shattering established patterns of relationship with the earth. These new norms have yet to be born in the mind and heart and the structures of relationship of human communities, nations, and people but they are clearly taking shape in these interesting times. And they remind us that the Christ in you is not only a hope of glory, but also a clear sign of what is to come. In such times as these, it's as if active labor with all the painful contractions experienced by the mother provides an appropriate metaphor. Before labor, the mother's instinct has been to hold, protect, nourish, and nurture the growing life of within. In active labor, the final stages of which are referred to in midwifery as transition, the mother's task is to cooperate with the baby's push to be born. And this pushing birth is a messy affair, and so it is that if we look too much at the disturbance in the world that we see around us, we can lose sight of the deeper happenings of the time and the anticipation and preparation for the new norms that are being born and the reappearance that we can expect to emerge and to be the sign of the birth. 
With this in mind, it seems that one of the most useful services that esotericists can provide is to develop an eye of discernment in observing the happenings of the time. Each one of us can draw on the skills, interests, education, professional experiences that we've developed through our lifetime to identify the Aquarian norms that are in process of emergence, particularly in the fields that we know best, like our professions or our, our fields of really deep interest. We can expect there to be many of these new norms and we can expect them to come not just from one particular perspective, like what happens in the sort of political life, progressive or conservative, for example, or from one particular group or one particular culture or nation or religious groups. But we can expect this, these norms to come from a wide variety of different perspectives as norms that emerge as a right way forward take shape in fields as diverse as law and order, psychology, conflict resolution, overcoming the economic inequality in cities, nations and regions, education of children and adults and so on. Norms are different from the means or ways in which the norms are expressed in different settings. They're better likened to a commonly shared purpose or a sense of direction or ideas about standards of behavior that are almost instinctively shared widely. Social norms, for example, are defined in the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy as the informal rules that govern behavior in groups and societies. So much of the Virgo theme leads us to ponder the nature and value of time and experience in the transition between the Piscean and Aquarian ages. We forget that passage between two dominant sets of norms, for this is what this Pisces-Aquarian shift is about, that this passage takes time, even lifetimes, passing through crises passing through Libran moments of pause and rest, when changes in consciousness can penetrate the roots of DNA and glandular structures. It takes time for the substance of the desire life of nations and peoples to be reshaped and redirected. And with the final birth of the new, everything appears to suddenly change, as if it's happened overnight. Yet this is only possible because of all that has taken place before. We often fail to see the subterranean changes that are occurring. So that when the labor of the birth finally comes upon us as a species, we can be taken aback, not realizing how much progress has in fact been made. The thought to hold on to here is the role of the will. Decay refers to the second ray quality of the mother's sustaining will as the hidden Christ life is shielded, protected and nurtured during the lifetimes when it's being enmeshed within the threefold world of the personality. This gestation following the sustaining will of the mother 
bears fruit in all the messy labor of birth. Indeed, from a metaphysical perspective, the birth of the Christ child also marks the death of the relationship between mother and child. It marks the moment when the Christ child will emerge from the womb of time and of matter and stand free in the light. And all of this, evolution, transformation, emergence into the norms of the Aquarian age, all of this happens, DK tells us, primarily because of what he says is the sustaining will of the mother plus the dynamic will of the Christ child. It's the, all of this is from this passage in Esoteric Astrology on page 627. As we observe the world in our time, it can be helpful to have in mind these two aspects of the will. The externalizing push from the hierarchy of light and the ability of the three realms of the personality to hold steady and keep going and keep things together, all in preparation for the moment of birth. The mother has these remarkable qualities of maintenance, of some semblance of normality, even amidst the nausea, the discomfort and absence of certainties and then even amidst the messiness that accompanies the birth of the new. And in conclusion with these thoughts on Virgo, some words of Joseph Campbell seem especially appropriate. He says, I have read somewhere of an old Chinese curse. May you be born at an interesting time. And this, he said, is a very interesting time. There are no models for anything that is going on. It's a period of free fall into the future and each has to make his or her own way. The old models are not working. The new have not yet appeared. In fact, it is we who are even now shaping the new in the shaping of our interesting lives. And that is the whole sense in mythological terms of the present challenge. We are the ancestors of an age to come, the unwitting generators of its supporting myths, the mythic models that will inspire its lines. So friends, move to our real work of this meditation, letting in the light. Group fusion. We affirm the fact of group fusion and integration within the heart center of the group of world servants, mediating between hierarchy and humanity.
say together. I am one with my group brothers and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them. Project a line of lighted energy towards the spiritual hierarchy of the planet, the planetary heart, the great ashram of Sanat Kumara, and towards the Christ at the heart of hierarchy. And we extend that line of light towards Shambhala, the center where the will of God is known. higher interlude. Hold the contemplative mind open to the extraplanetary energies streaming into Shambhala and radiated through hierarchy. And using the creative imagination, endeavor to see the three planetary centers, Shambhala, hierarchy, humanity, gradually coming into alignment and interplay.
meditation. Reflect on the seed thought. I am the mother and the child. I God, I matter am. Precipitation. Using the creative imagination, visualize the energies of light, love, and the will to good pouring throughout the planet 
and becoming anchored on earth in prepared physical plane centers through which the plan can manifest. We can use as a imaginative tool the sixfold progression of divine love as the sequence of energy precipitation. Shambhala, through hierarchy, through the Christ, the new group of world servers, the people of goodwill everywhere in the world, and anchored in physical centers of distribution. The lower interlude. Refocus the consciousness as a group within the periphery of the great ashram. And together sound the affirmation. In the center of all love I stand. From that center I, the soul, will outward move. From that center I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group and throughout the world. Visualize the downpouring spiritual inflow released from Shambhala through the hierarchy streaming into humanity through the prepared channel. 
and consider how these inpouring energies are establishing the pathway of light for the coming world teacher, the Christ. distribution. As the great invocation is sounded, visualize the outpouring of light and love and power from the spiritual hierarchy through the five planetary inlets, London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo irradiating the consciousness of the whole human race. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of men. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of men. 
the purpose which the Masters know and serve. From the center which we call the race of me, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you, friends. Thank you for that work. The next meditation meeting, the next meeting to be broadcast will be the New Moon meeting from New York, which will take place on the 17th of September, Thursday the 17th of September at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And then the Full Moon Meditation next month will be on the Libra Meditation meeting will take place on in, from New York on Wednesday, the last day of September and from London and Geneva. The broadcast will be on the 2nd of, the 1st of October. So, and you can find all those details at, on the Lucis Trust website if you look at the calendar or if you look at the, on the homepage, you'll see a link on the right-hand side to broadcasts. So we look forward to seeing you then and to all coming meetings. The regular Monday meeting for Triangles meeting for will be a, coming up a webinar for the Goodwill Meditation Group on the last Wednesday of September. And in addition to that, on September the 12th, there will be a special webinar on the um, on the fires of humanity.
a special focus on science and the electricity of the world. So thank you friends and good evening.